What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 141 of the Frameskip podcast. I am Austin Eller, and I am joined for the first time in God, I don't even know how long by everybody that's supposed to be on this podcast, including the coach, Kyle Newman. How are you, coach? I'm doing good because I have my I have my Mandalorian Tumblr. Very nice. Which I have the tattoo right there also so doing good so coach what will you do now that you've got that tattooed on your body what will you do if the seasons get progressively worse and you become <laughs> like actively unhappy with the, the direction of the mandalorian well season three did get worse so <laughs> so not a good track record so far is what you're saying like, right. oh my god it's all right <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right. Well, speaking of great track records, uh, the other two guys are here most weeks. George from Shortbox Summary. Woo! What's up, man? Weeks. We do this for weeks. Woo! Seth? Blake House? I'm thinking we need to change the name because it doesn't vibe with me, right? From a weak to a strong. I don't want... I don't I don't want to be associated with anything weak, you know what I'm saying? Like I get there's it. four str- I there's get four it. strongs in a month. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it. So what would you call days in the circumstance? What would be like the in between? Would they also be strongs? Well, no, yeah. I mean days to be flexes. Day, days oh, are flexes. fine. I like it's that. It's just that, you know, it's just that like Week has a, a a pretty specific you know definition to it. It's like you know, no, there's week. well no, there's there's four strongs in a month. There's um seven reps in a strong, and then I think uh, <laughs> twenty four reps in a no sorry twenty four flexes in a rep. That, that's, yeah. This is some crazy <laughs> crazy uh, math and and definitions that I am not familiar with. I got to be honest. Yeah, I just don't want to be associated with anything weak. You know, sadly I'm weak. Um, so Seth, if you need to leave the show, you can, but (laughs) when Seth started saying that, I really couldn't tell if he was having a stroke or if I was having a stroke, I'm like, wait, what's going on? (laughs) Just a little of everything. Something bad is happening to one of us, but I can't tell who. (laughs) So, um, Alden in the chat, who is watching us live on YouTube, if you didn't know that, if you're listening to us on podcast services, after the fact or the recording of this on YouTube, you can watch us as we record live. Just kind of uh, stay tuned to our social media pages, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and you will be notified when we go live. But Alden in the chat says, Seth out here looking like a guy on the cover of a porn you find at the dollar store. You know, I was, I was with that until the end. Um, <laughs> I mean, last most, part I heard a little bit. Most well, most porn consumed in the world is free, so a dollar is actually like infinitely more valuable than. Uh, right. Now you did bring it porn. back around. Now I do feel pretty good about that because you are correct. <laughs> that is true. That is this true. High class porn stash right here. All right, one dollar, <laughs> <laughs> subject to local, uh, municipal, and state taxes. Yeah, that's true. This, could... is the, this is the first time I've ever had the straight stash. Normally, I go handlebar. All right. You can't tell, but like my my uh, sideburns kind of line up with it. Wow, you put some thought into that. Yeah, almost, almost three whole minutes of thought. Yeah. So you should yeah. um you should do the the Chris Pratt um 
Avengers stash or uh, beard rather, where he's got like the weird like half beard. I forget exactly how it looks, but it's I just remember it looking very strange. And I think you should do that. So see, because like one thing you really got to watch out for when you have a straight stash, right? Is that like how far in you trim it? Because like how far in do you trim it before it comes a Nazi stash? You know, because like I'm not moving pretty far in and that's already looking pretty bad. All right. And if I go like here, it's like, okay, now we got a problem. You know, you won't do it. No, I will not. But I will say somebody in history at some point needs to take that stash back. Not going to be me, but someone needs to fall on the sword. All right. Can't let one guy in history ruin a stash for for the rest of time. That's all I'm saying. Someone needs to get I I literally wrote a newspaper article about that same thing. (laughs) 14 years ago. My sophomore year of college. Nothing's changed. I was like, it's fucking weird, right? That we just gave up on this entire rendition of facial hair because of one dude. (laughs) He was so bad that he literally ruined the the mustache for everybody. For everyone. (laughs) So, Coach, what have you been up to? I I don't even know the last time you were on this podcast. It's got to be at least a couple months, right? No, I think it was about a month ago, maybe October-ish. Okay. So what have you been up to in that time? What 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 do you got going on? Anything you've been playing, watching, uh consuming, whether that's turkey or otherwise? Only had one plate on Thanksgiving, <laughs> believe it or not. True story. Okay, so I platinum Spider-Man 2. And right before that came out, I platinum Spider-Man PS4. Because I had the PS5 platinum. So to get back into it uh, about four or five weeks before it came out, I went through and started playing uh, Spider-Man, but PS4 version so I could get that plat. So I got those two plats since probably the last time I was on. So what did you what did you think about Spider-Man 2? I think you're you might be the only person on here who hasn't really talked about it. Um, or if you did, it was way early on when it first came out. So what did you think overall? So You know, it was interesting because while I'm playing it, I had a totally different vibe than Tears of the Kingdom because I love both Breath of the Wild and Spider-Man pretty much about the same, right? I just really got into both games. Like those two are one of my top games. Going through Spider-Man 2 at the beginning, I wasn't feeling it as much, right? I just kind of like, okay, I'm not getting that same feeling that I had when I played Spider-Man the first time where that's all I thought about. And it wasn't until I I'd probably stopped for a week and a half because I had military training. And then you were like way into it and you were making a lot of progress. Like within a week's time, you had like finished it and you platinumed it. So then I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's. And then I finally got into the symbiote portion of the story. And bro, I was hooked in. I'm like, God damn, this is amazing. Yeah. That game is so good, and and um, I was wrong. I guess George obviously has not uh, really talked about it on the show yet, but uh, Coach, I know I know you had not really, but yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you. I think for me, the the beginning was kind of slow. I'd say the first maybe third or quarter, it took a little bit for it to get going. I feel like compared to the first game, but at the same time, uh, you know, maybe the first game was different in that way just because it was like the first time we had ever gotten a Spider-Man game like that. And so, um, you know, I was, I was hooked the whole time for the first one. 
What were you going to say, George? I really like the Spider-Man games like, that we've gotten from Insomniac. I don't think fundamentally they're that different than any older Spider-Man games. Yeah, that's true. I think true. they're, like, better. But, man, how old were you when Spider-Man 2 came out, the movie? I think that was 2004, Austin? Oh, I would have been eight. Okay. <laughs> Did you play the Spider-Man 2 game on Xbox or PlayStation 2? You know, I never played a whole lot of Spider-Man 2. I did, however, play a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man, and I love that okay. game. And yeah, I'm like, that that game, I yeah, probably the better game, but, like, Spider-Man 2, like, I just remember buying that for 20 bucks, yeah. like, at the beginning of the summer, and that was, like, all I did that summer. Um, I'm just saying, like, Insomniac, obviously, world-class developers. They yeah. really know how to put together a product. However... It just seemed like they perfected something that was pretty close to perfection before. That said, I'm very eager to finish Spider-Man 2. I always liked the arcadey nature of Web of Shadows. Yeah, Web of Shadows is a very good game. I never played um, that, and then there was that other one on PS3. Shattered Dimensions? Yeah. Did you guys play Shattered Dimensions, George or Seth? I did play Shattered Dimensions. How, how was, was that one? Not very good. I no. dude, honestly, like at the time, Shattered Dimensions got really good reviews, and I never, I never was a big fan of Shattered Dimensions or Edge of Time because they're both very linear, very uh, small stage Spider-Man games, and I don't think he plays very well in those. I did think that they all had like a decent plot, but the weird, the weird thing is, is that in Shattered Dimensions, they're constantly switching you between four um, Spider-Men, and they all play drastically different. So there's no like rhythm you get into in Shattered Dimensions, which I think is uh, I I confused Shattered Dimensions with Edge of Time. I didn't think Edge of Time was very good. Like I thought that game like literally just ran like shit. It's Shattered Dimensions was was fine. Uh but Seth is right that like you were moving around quite a bit. I actually like the smaller levels. Like I thought it it kind of made it almost feel like a speedrunning game. Where, like, you could actually do something as quick as possible, whereas, like, in an open world, like, I, I want to do everything so slow. I want to see how fast I can go, yeah. but I also am just very casually, like, oh, like, I got to get to Brooklyn right now. Like, okay, I'm just going to. So let me ask you guys this. Which one is the best non-Insomniac game? Ultimate Spider-Man, Spider of course. Ultimate? Yeah, I didn't play oh, wait, enough. System? Xbox, GameCube, PS2. Yeah. Okay. Ultimate's my pick as well. I didn't. That one just be just because it has personality. Like it was very mm -hmm. much modeled. It was like cell shaded. It was made to be like the ultimate comic books, which uh, mileage may vary with those uh, depending on on who's reading them. But the fact that it just like carved out a niche and just really stuck to it was really cool. Like it had a point of view that was unique. Yeah, I never played enough really to say if it definitively is the best one but for me i mean that's the one that i played the most of and i loved it but um it's interesting because you look back at that game and then likewise there was hulk ultimate destruction which just those two games kind of went hand in hand for me like the gameplay of those games you know somewhat similar in a way and both are very good uh ps2 gamecube xbox Sure. That was low key a golden age of superhero movie, yeah. uh, superhero games. Like the Fantastic Four game is probably the worst one, just because it's like a button masher. Like it really is like a brawler. And then X Men Legends is just like a Diablo clone, which is excellent. That one's a ton of fun. The Punisher game was this incredible third person shooter where you could just do the most violent shit to people. Like 
there is an interrogation minigame in the game where you'd be, like, dangling some dude over, like, a, a shark tank or something, and you had to, like, thread the needle with, um, with the analog stick about how much pressure you were exerting, and you had to, like, hold it in a sweet spot to get them to, like, tell without, like, so they believe that you'd actually drop them into the shark tank without, like, actually, if you push it too far, you would just drop them in the shark tank and you wouldn't get the information you needed. And they could, like, unlock hidden paths in the levels to, like, get you to your objective a little easier or get you to, like, a special weapon that would make it easier. Really cool, interesting game. So there's two games from that era that are pretty pricey on eBay. I mean, I think they're still affordable, but it's the X-Men Origins Wolverine and then the Captain America game. Have, did you guys play those? Yeah, Captain America is just like a really, really watered-down Arkham Asylum. Really? Yeah, but you're kind of dropped into like this war-torn European city as Captain America. So basically, like, think Arkham Asylum, but you're in like a little city. Mm-hmm. And you're Instead of Riddler trophies, you're collecting, I think, Fabergé eggs. And you're just, like, pulling combos with the same same exact fighting mechanics as Arkham Asylum. It and, came out about the same time, right? Because those were both on PS3. Yeah, I think Captain, well, Captain America the movie came out in 2011. That sounds right. And Arkham right. Asylum was 2009. So there was a, a bit of a gap between those two. Uh, you know what game is extremely expensive is Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 Gold Edition. Yes, because you can't get it anywhere now. You can get the you you can't get the DLC anymore. They took the right. DLC off the, the the Xbox Live. Yeah. So that game on Amazon right now is four hundred dollars. Did Jesus. anyone else? Well, I don't trust Amazon inflated prices. I'm trying to look. I'm trying to find the price charting for the Gold Edition. I believe that. They re-released them live on Xbox Live, right? Mm-hmm. And then they tur- then they shut they them. Yeah, they re-released Ultimate Alliance, Ultimate Alliance Two. I snagged those on PS4, which somehow they- might be like the two rarest games I own. And they also had Marvel Heroes Omega, I think, which was like a from Gazillion Entertainment. I actually knew a developer who worked there. I worked with his wife at an agency. And I would just like come up with a list of questions and like hand them to her. So she, <laughs> and then she would just like bring in the answers to me at work because I thought his job was so much fucking cooler than my job. And I was right. Uh, but that game was great. That was just like an online sort of MMO, basically like Ultimate Alliance. And that game, I heard about it and it was shut down within like two months. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I have them on Wii. The Ultimate okay. Alliance. Yeah. Both one and two. So I never played and two. Then of course. And then three's on the. Switch, so yeah, they I actually think, don't have it on price charting. I didn't think two was very good, but two is fine. Two started off like it started off with that story, Secret War, where like Nick Fury and a bunch of heroes go to Latveria and they try to assassinate the Latverian prime minister, and then it immediately jumps into Civil War. So you have to like actually choose which side you want to go on, which is kind of interesting. But I thought the game was pretty short. And uh, the big thing was combining powers, which was like a kind of light element in the first game. And basically it was the same thing as the first game. They just like added extra animations and, and made, you know, like the, the payoff be like a little cooler. But ultimately, I thought the first game was just a better tour of the Marvel Universe. Like they were trying to be like serious and dark in the second one. I just didn't think that worked for the type of game it was. So... Quick little sidestep here. Alden in the chat asks, have any of us watched the live action One Piece? I'm going to take a guess and say no, because I don't think any of us are really One Piece people. It's on my list. Yeah. So. 
I'm going to Pennsylvania for Christmas this year so I can be with Aaliyah's family. Which it makes sense because, like, I think of the past, like, eight eight years we've done either my family or no family. So, like, yeah, it's it's about time. And I have, like, a list of shit that I want to do that week on there. So, One Piece is absolutely on it. Uh, I wish. I'm still, like, so mad we didn't go to Valley Forge. And then she told me we did. And I just, like, refused to believe her. Like, we went to a a wedding that supposedly happened in Valley Forge. I'm like, no, we got to go to, like, the place. And she's like, no, we're in the place. Like, it's just, it's fucking nothing. I'm like, no, we got to go to the place of Valley Forge. And she was just like, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) Like, we're we're, we're there, man. And I'm like, no, we got to, like, it's not even a gift shop here. This can't be Valley Forge. It's not even a gift shop. (laughs) That's how you know you're someplace cool. Fucking Gettysburg has a gift shop. Fucking Bunker Hill has a gift shop. It's like an open grass field, huh? Yeah. And I was just like, no, but where's the cool part of Valley Forge? Like, Like, there's not even a microbrew here. Like, come on. Go hey, to what's uh, the name Kenobles. Of yeah, it's a lot Kenobles? of fun. Kenobles is a amusement park. Uh, apparently, according to Austin, this world famous wooden roller coaster that I've been really riding. Oh, man, I love I love those are wooden roller coasters are the only ones I go on because they don't go fast enough to scare me. Yeah, the the it's Phoenix, I think, is the one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually really well known, like from a from a coaster community standpoint. It's like one of the 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 highest rated wooden roller coasters in the world, which is interesting because it's not like record breaking or anything, but people just really like it. So it's, it's, it's like a Michelin star restaurant yeah. or a non Michelin star restaurant that has like a four nine. Yeah. Um, it's really, yeah. that park is really interesting though, Seth, because I, I went with Elijah um, years ago when I was up there and you know how most of the time, George, you'll go to like six flags and you'll just pay the entry fee and like, you can just ride whatever. Kenobles, it still operates like a classic, like hundred year old theme park where, where you'll go yeah, in and you'll use a ticket to get on a roller coaster. Sick. Which is really Jesus. interesting. Yeah. yeah. But you don't pay an entry fee. You just walk in. So it's it's really unique in that way. Well, yeah, because people like to go to Kenobles to get the food and stuff too. Like the local people will go there and just like get like the, yeah, like the, the, the restaurants the Coca- are really highly rated. The Coca Cola sells cocaine there, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's a big hit. Yeah, they make it themselves. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Crazy. That's right. <laughs> and the root beer, they uh, they don't have it. They didn't authentically use cola, so they have to. Uh, it's not. It's Nyquil actually. The root beer. <laughs> uh, George, what have you been up to, man? Hope you had a good I've Thanksgiving. Been playing, I've been playing two games. I played a, two games this thing. I'm sorry. I like really. I've been kind of like really stressed out lately, despite the holiday. Like I wasn't stressed out because of the holidays. I was stressed out during the holidays, and I didn't want to escape into Spider Man because then I thought I would just associate being stressed out with Spider Man. So I played two good, games. Good decision. Good decision. Yeah, I, pl- I played two games predominantly. I played Assassin's Creed Mirage, and I played Battlefield Twenty Forty Two. Tell us what you think about Mirage. I'm really interested to hear what you think. I think it's really good. It's uh, it's. I've only played Assassin's Creed 2. That's my only interaction with like the original Assassin's Creed series. I love Origins. I love Odyssey. I got so bored of Valhalla because I got it within a year of me spending 170 hours in Odyssey. So I needed a bit more of a break. 
but Mirage, it's funny that like so many of the problems from the old games still haven't been solved. Like if I'm trying to parkour my way out of like a sticky situation, I'll still like accidentally run up a wall instead of like running up like a series of crates to get up to like a ledge or something. And I remember vividly having that problem so frequently, like the first time I started playing Assassin's Creed 2 back in like 2010, 2011. But the game is gorgeous. I'm amazed at everything they're capable of doing. I think it feels less like a traditional Ubisoft game, which is funny because it still has so many elements because like I just platted Far Cry 6. And so I was expecting way more bleed over. And like there is a lot of mechanic sharing between those two games, but it feels way more distinct in this version of, of Assassin's Creed. So I, I'm enjoying it. I recommend it. I also think there's a lot to play out there. So like, I don't think anyone yeah. is, needs to rush to play Mirage. Like I, I think I got it for it was like a buy two get one sale. So like, I paid forty for it technically through that sale. I grabbed that. I grabbed Starfield, and I grabbed the Metal Gear Solid Collection. Okay. Uh, so I, I think forty for all of those technically. Uh, so I think it's like a perfect like thirty dollar game, twenty dollar game. But again, it's like one of those like. There's probably better games to play, but it is very pretty. It looks great in HDR. Nice. Yeah, I um, I kind of dipped off Assassin's Creed just frankly because of the length of those games. I mean, they're just, they're just it's too much for me at this point. And oh, you're gonna love this one. It's a 25 yeah, hour platinum. I know, yeah. I know, and and that's why I'm oh, like, you platted it? Not not yet, but I am I'm inching my way there. I'm much more interested in this game than I have been the past three. I mean, I know everybody raves about the last three, certainly Odyssey, but it's very hard for me to find time to like spend a hundred hours on a game these days. And so um, I've kind of gotten to the point where if games are that long, like I just don't even want to play them. Odyssey is great, but it's like, it's, it's like, if it's like the Witcher with like fixed combat and like a less well-written story, you know, like it's, fundamentally a different game whereas this is very very much an assassin's creed game and much you know like what? much like spider-man 2 it's a 25 hour platinum my favorite thing about odyssey is that you'll get like a uh, wanted level almost and they'll send mercenaries out to fight you try and kill you right and um these mercenaries have like a homing beacon on you yeah, and you can activate your eagle vision and see sometimes see these dudes just like beelining it to your location, no matter how far away they are or like how hidden you are. You'll see this mercenary just like, like running up on you, and sometimes like more than one will get you too. And sometimes they're really hard to to kill, and um, it's like really funny. Like, I, I I enjoyed Odyssey a lot. You, you, you can see them running from like almost across the map, and the funniest yeah. thing is like if you get on like the third story. Of like roof, they'll just like show up right to the base of the building, and then they're like, "Fuck, yeah. he's not here!" Like I don't know what to do, and it's like, <laughs> "Oh, you haven't heard about my climbing abilities? Like you don't want to like just like climb up? It, it's ancient Greece. These buildings aren't very big, you know. Yeah. You don't want to just like jump up a couple flights. Okay, that's that's cool. And then you have to like try to distract him. And you're right, man. Well, there's two mercenaries chasing you, trying to get them to fight each other. And even better, when you kill these mercenaries, if they're, like, ahead of you, like, in because in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, there's, like, a, a specific tab that's just talking about mercenaries. And, like, you are inadvertently a, a mercenary because you have to kill, like, the last one on the list for some mission or whatever. So that puts you on the, the mercenary list. And then if you kill one who's ahead of you, who's, like, coming to claim your bounty or whatever, then, like, you move up 
and it, it's it's fucking incredible. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. So George, uh, the the other game you had was Battlefield. What what's going on there? I have been playing Battlefield Bad Company two nonstop, and I really regret not playing this game more when I when it was like a new game. So in an effort to head that off, I've been playing a lot of Battlefield 2042 lately, which is the most recent Battlefield game. And I know that game got shit on to death when it first came out. I didn't touch it when it first launched, but like I heard that like it didn't even launch with like a way to see how many kills or deaths you had in a match. Had... Like it was just like a very incomplete, very rushed game. No leaderboard, yeah. That is not my experience. This game is fucking awesome. This game is just like a huge, crazy Battlefield game. And I, I I love it so much. I think I'm like level twelve, like after playing all weekend with like no double XP or anything. I just played that many matches. I had a blast. Yeah, I I was telling George off air before we started the show that I actually myself was thinking about uh, jumping into this game because it's been a while since I've played Battlefield. I used to just adore that franchise. I probably, I mean, I didn't play a bajillion hours, but I probably sunk three or four hundred hours into both three and four. Mm-hmm. And um, and Bad Company Two, I'm sure over a hundred, if I had to guess. But uh, yeah, I I never played this one when it released, just because it got, like you said, George. I mean, just did not review well at all. I mean, nobody had a positive opinion of it. But I want to play it, and I thought I had snagged it from uh, PlayStation Plus when it was free a few months back. And I went to to go to my library and install it, and turns out I just never added it to my library from PlayStation Plus, which is so frustrating. So at some point, I'm going to have to grab it on sale. Also, uh, before I, I give up my microphone, I just want to share two things, too. One, the other thing I've been doing lately, I've been collecting the fuck out of Pokemon 151 Scarlet and Violet. I am missing just a few of like the chase cards, like the rare art that's in like the back of the set. And I'm missing two uncommons that is driving me crazy because I've opened up I don't know, like realistically like 50 packs before I stopped buying packs and then I was just buying singles. And somehow in all the packs I opened, I never got a fucking War Turtle. I never got a Squirtle. I never got a Jinx. And I never got a um, a Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee. I'm to the point where the only cards I'm missing now are like Jinx, Vileplume, and then like all the fucking rare cards from the back. But I, I have I have a few of those, but like I'm gonna put together a complete set. I'm I'm very excited to uh I think I have uh, an alternate art jinx. Pretty sure. I, oh I pulled two of those, but not just like the basic set jinx. Oh, okay. So you, you literally want every card. Oh, I want every card, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Don't I've never I've never completed a set before. Like even like I used to buy whenever there was a new set of Magic the Gathering, I used to buy a box and try to put together a play set of all the commons and uncommons and like I thought, like the lands at the very least, I would just buy those from the shop, just because, like you know, it's just like real life. Like lands not getting any cheaper. Uh, so I I did that, and then Magic just flooded the market with too many products, and I just like couldn't keep up. I pre-ordered the Fallout decks, and when they release the Final Fantasy set, I'm realistically gonna buy that too, because I mean, since playing Final Fantasy 16, I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. Everyone knows that. So I'm gonna buy that. But besides that, uh, Magic is just not for me anymore. It's way too expensive. That's what I'm doing with uh with with Pokemon and uh playing Battlefield Bad Company two over the weekend. We figured out a way. It's me and like I'm in a group chat with like 15 other people who are also trying to platinum the game before the servers go offline in December, December eighth. So we've got like a little over a week to go before this shit becomes unobtainable. 
I'm level 15. You got to get to level 22 so you can unlock the fourth and final pistol because you got to get five kills with every pistol in the game. So, like, that's all we're shooting for. And we found a way to get like 20 XP in like an hour, basically, which is almost an entire level. And because the way it goes is like, oh, from levels seven to eight, you need to get 15,000 XP. From level eight to nine, 16,000. It just does that all the entire way up. But I did something I never thought I would ever do. And I went downstairs and I grabbed, um, I grabbed like a clamp from uh, my girlfriend's <laughs> workshop. And there's a certain ma- like match type where you have to like arm and disarm a bomb. And so I just like talked to a guy and we just like set up a private server and I just like clamped down the circle button of my PlayStation 3, my DualShock 3. And I just sat there and like read comics and like talked to this guy on chat, you know, just <laughs> trying to like make sure the game didn't shut down yet. And we just did that for like probably three hours last week. Fucking incredible. Went up like eight levels. It was great. I can't wait to, I hopefully will be doing that again later tonight to, to cross 22. Dude, I've done that twice. The first time was in Rocket League for the platinum, you had to drive like a certain amount. And I think Elijah and I both did it where you just like have a rubber band on your controller so that the car is like turning constantly while the, the right trigger is also stuck down. So it's just constantly driving. Nice. And I did that on that game. And then I think I don't remember why, but I feel like I did it on Final Fantasy 15 for some reason. I, I can't recall if there was a trophy for like walking a certain distance or something. Seth is nodding and said yes. Yes, to get the platinum trophy, you had to max out all four of the characters' uh, like specific skills. Okay. And the one for the big dude, I forget his name. <clears throat> oh, Gladio. Was a survival Gladio. It was a survival skill, and you had to walk a certain distance, and it would it would go up, and then you could rest. So, what people were doing was they were wrapping a rubber band around their controller and just having the characters run around in circles. Yeah, did that. Did that. I have that platinum. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like it was like a ridiculous amount you had to walk. Yeah, like you, there was no way you were gonna get it naturally. You you pretty much had to cheat. It was, it was stupid because like it, right at the beginning of the game they introduced chocobos. So why would you walk anywhere? You know, but you and you have a car. Like, yeah, like, you have a car. This is stupid. <laughs> uh, Seth, what's been going on with you, man? What have you been up to? Dude, I've been straight cocked up for Christmas, man. I'm just getting into the Christmas spirit and just like, you know, that's a way to put it. <laughs> decorating and decking uh, the halls, decorations right? and hanging lights. Yeah, dude. Decking these fucking halls. Someone's halls are getting decked for sure, dude. And then uh when I've been when I've been not doing that, I've been uh playing more Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky the God third. Damn Almost man. done with it, dude. Almost done, dude. And I got to tell you, I was talking to Pedro about this today because me and him have this infamous uh, race. And we both agree we were wrong, completely wrong about the Trails of Cold Steel series. And the only reason we thought that the first game was like terribly boring was because we hadn't played the previous uh, five games in the series. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were they're like throughout that whole game they're like pulling on these threads that like they set up in the previous games and we're like this is stupid dude like what's going on here um so there's like a hundred hours of like setup and like payoffs and stuff that we just didn't get at all so that that was like a pretty interesting revelation because there's like all kinds of characters in this game that i'm playing that were introduced in cold steel you know and i'm like i didn't i didn't understand who that character was at all so no, these they're uh, it, I'm having a blast and I'm playing it on Steam Deck, so it's perfect because 
Um, <clears throat> the game's originally released on PSP. So the PSP, you know, the, the good portable system. And there was the, there was no real way to play them these days. So uh, they were released on PC, but no one wants to sit their PC and play these these games that were meant for a portable system for a long time. That transition doesn't work out well. But on Steam Deck, it's perfect because Caitlin can watch TV and I can play for you know twenty minutes or so, or you know here and there, and, and just hammer it out. So it, it works out pretty well. Are you interested in the Steam Deck OLED that they announced? Because it looks pretty nice. Yeah. Looks pretty nice. I would be if my Steam Deck wasn't fine already. They just didn't give me enough of a reason to upgrade. You know, if they'd been like, oh, you know, it's got like you know, improved specs or whatever, I would have been all in there. But just for like a, a, an upgraded screen, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't justify it. Now, Watson did just buy the OLED model. Nice. So I'm a little jealous of that. I got to go check it out and see how that looks but does that sorry does that make you think that there's going to be a steam deck 2 the fact that it, it was just like a, a screen upgrade and not like an internal i mean there's got to be at some point the steam deck is like widely successful yeah but so, just the fact that like it's not like a yearly refresh or like a bot i mean has it been around long enough to like like cell phone style like a like every two years there's a refresh i mean it released um, did it come out last year i can't remember when it released i think it came out like a Almost two years ago, I got mine in like April. I think that was like six months after it came out. Um, but yeah, dude, it's, the Steam Deck's awesome, and I think that it's so successful that Valve would be stupid not to make a run up, a runner up to it, the sequel, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's more powerful because although it can play almost all modern games, it's playing them at like low settings. Right. And where it's like barely getting by on them. So I think, I mean, I would, I would be down for a steam deck too. I love my steam deck. I, mean, I, I play, I play the crap out of that thing. It looks really nice. I, I want to get one on one hand, but at the same time, it's like, I already have a switch. I've already got like all these other systems. And frankly, I don't play much handheld. So, um, but it does look cool. I, I wish it was. I don't know. I wish it was more like in the four hundred, four hundred fifty dollar range. I know you can probably get the cheapest one for somewhere around there, but I'm not positive. So I don't think it's been at that price for a long time, dude. Yeah, the 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 OLED model is four hundred dollars. OK, and the LCD model, the lowest end is three fifty. Nice. With the 512 being 450. <clears throat> it doesn't look like you can get my model anymore, which is the, the high-end LCD. Okay. Well, interesting. You've been up to anything else, Seth? Anything else you've been playing? Watching? No, man. No, not really. Um, we did. Me and Caitlin did start watching Yu Yu Hakusho. She's never seen it, and I'm like, this is a good This is a classic. Which one? Yu Yu Hakusho. Spirit Detective. Spirit. <laughs> uh, I'm like 35 episodes in. I'd never seen it. Like I caught random episodes on Toonami as a kid. But so uh, good, yeah, it's, it's it's really fun, man. And that era of animation is, is this age biasism? Biases? I just think like nothing looks better than 90s anime to me. And I don't know if that's because that was the first time I saw anime, but like. Something about the coloring of shit today just like looks off to me. 
Like, I, I was watching, like, a random clip from, like, Food Wars or something. And I'm like, this looks, like, a little too pristine. Like, I needed, like, a little bit more gnar in my, in my shit. And Yu Yu Hakusho does it. A lot of Gundam series, especially Devil 83 and Devil 80, like, anything from, like, the late 80s, early 90s, just fucking has it in spades. Yeah, I think uh, you can tell there's, like, a lot more soul put into anime back then. I think today they have a lot of um, help from... from um computer animation and stuff and i think it comes out real clean it looks real good but there is something special about those old school anime where you're like dude someone worked in a sweatshop for hours crafting this piece of brilliance right here the art styles uh, back then though they're all they all have a similar feel which i like i mean obviously you've got some variation but i don't know i think my favorite is trigun there's something about the trigun art style that's just yeah so good so good um you know what i was thinking about today i was thinking today about like what i think the greatest moment in anime is right Hmm. and a couple of them came to mind where i'm like okay so we like you know goku going super saiyan for the first time um you know like i i think a lot of people would claim like that the episode of Evangelion, where he first gets in the the mech thing. I don't know. I think that anime is stupid. You're wrong. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> that's a thought. Yeah, <laughs> I think, in my opinion, the greatest uh, moment anime of all time is in My Hero Academia when Lamellian saves the little girl, dude. Let's go. And I agree, and, dude. Dude, that that moment just thinking about it gets me like all fired up have you ever seen my hero academia george it's the first like three se- like wh- when did like the people take over the school like during like the tournament thing was that that was that was the second season i think maybe even the first i can't even remember was it, that, yeah. was, that was not the first i remember i had my very good friend from australia pank was visiting me in san francisco you know how we met through the uh, the Vita group and like the PlayStation mm-hmm. Beyond group on Facebook. I met Pang through the Tech Fetish group because that was the first like IGM podcast I really. Oh got yeah, into. I forgot about Tech Fetish. Um, and so he came up and visited. He's just like, so dude, just like, hear me out. Let's just day drink and watch this show. I think you'd really like it. You like superheroes. I like anime. Like let, let let's let's just try this out. And I watched the first season. I was like, all right, yeah, sure. Let's keep going. Like, I, I, I got a show. I think I got either through season two or like halfway through season two. So it's there fine. is. Um, oh, I know. I know well, what arc you're talking about. It wasn't a tournament. It was like a training grounds. I think it was a training. Gr- it was like the yeah. school. Sorry, school tournament. Basically, yeah. It was fun. Um, tournament arc, right? Like they were seeing who the strongest kid was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's this character called Lamillion and he's got he's known to, he was known to have like a like a really useless quirk, which was that he could pass through like walls and stuff. And he like perfected it for combat. And he became one of like the top students at, at um, UA. And um, they're in this operation. Cause this, this, this gang has captured this little girl. This, this, this main villain has like this crazy thing where he can like disintegrate everything. And, they have this uh, dude that makes these bullets with darts at them, and when they hit somebody, they take away their quirk permanently, right? So everyone gets like distracted and held back, and Lamillion phases through all these traps in into this room, and he's face to face with this this villain, and they start fighting, and it's like a like a, a brawl, and one of the villains like companions shoots 
Lemillion with this dart and takes away his quirk in the middle of this fight. And dude, incredible moment where you tur- it turns out that like it wasn't his quirk that that makes him so good, dude. Like he starts trading hands with this villain and like just smacking the shit out of him. And it is a it, it is now down. It's just straight up brawl, right? So good. And he he uh is like you know throwing his cape and like distracted him and top tier anime moment, man. Absolute top tier. And he's not even a, a like a major character. He's a he's a yeah. random side character. And it, he's got probably the best story in the whole series. So good, dude. There's a lot of really good moments in my hero in general like that, but I do think that's probably yeah. at the top. So and he, he he had this whole thing where the, the little girl's name was Ari. She's like really cute. She has like a, a single horn coming up. He's like, I just had to make sure she had hope. And he just like, and I'm like, I'm that guy. <laughs> That's literally me. Then you immediately get the moment. Sorry to spoil like all this, this show for those who have not watched it, but immediately after where Midori goes super Saiyan, like immediately yeah. for the first time, just like a tandem of excellent moments. See, that's yeah. how you know so, Goku going Super Saiyan is the greatest anime right. moment of all time. Because, because it's referred. Because right. you just compared this moment to yeah. Goku going Super Saiyan. For sure. For sure. So <laughs> that, that, that is, uh, uh, true. people that don't even watch anime like know what that is. So and that is a big one. But I think, I really do think, people, like, most people even know that this, this episode exists. Is it like, the greatest? So okay, good. Is, that, is that the greatest moment or did it just make you emotional? Like, there, it's okay if that's the answer. No, no, because. Like the thing is, is that this this type of thing has been done before, right? Like a superhero getting his power taken away isn't new, but it is the way that it was told and the way that it was done that made it a step above everything else. Because this character is introduced even as far back as like season two or three, and he's like this Mm -hmm. random weird guy who just like pops out of the floor, and you have no (laughs) idea who he is. And then he gets he he shows up a little bit in the next season, and you realize he's like a, like a like a major player at this school, and he has like a one on one fight with the entire uh, class, and he like decimates him, and everyone because everyone's like oh, who's this like weird guy, and then they they, they and his his story is like slowly breadcrumbed to you throughout. And it has this amazing payoff at the end where like yeah he loses his power, but he still got the victory. And he saved this girl, and it, it was like it was like a, it's like a really good, phenomenal, told moment. Good that I think. character development too. Yeah, it's like it's like, in all like like it's it's in my opinion the best moment of the entire anime right there, and I think it's one of the the best in general in, in all of anime. It's really good. No, I'm with Coach and whatever he's gonna say. It's probably something from Macross <laughs> or Robotech. Speed That's racer. So when, speed racer. when Speed Racer hits the speed gas. Racer. Yeah, when the monkey gets gets scared about him hitting right. a, a turn too fast. Yeah. Chim chim. Chim chim. Uh, I do uh, remember when when Macross, the Robotech, when it debuted. Like it was a pretty big event. Was that a Saturday so, morning cartoon? No, that was during the week. Oh really? Yeah, it was during the week. And from what I remember, it wasn't it wasn't Fox back then, but in San Diego, Fox turned or Channel Six turned into Fox. So, and it was from what I remember, it was on Channel Six. But 
um think but yeah it was a pretty big event like we were we were into it i was like maybe eighth grade i think when that came out so we didn't have a lot of because yeah because like when murdoch basically like put together fox in the 90s and just like bought a whole bunch of like random affiliates and like turned that into a a cable network basically Basically, that's the channel where I got to see a lot of Godzilla and Bruce Lee movies on Saturday afternoon. Hell yeah. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Well, on my end, um, not as much going on this time as as last episode. I know the previous episode, I was like, yeah, I've been doing this, 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 and this. But really, the main things I've been up to, first off, just from a um, TV standpoint, finally got caught up on the newer seasons of Doctor Who, which I had not been. And so finished the, the, what, the sorry, the Jody Whitaker stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'd only watched season one and Andy and I were rewatching the whole thing because she had never seen uh, or not season one. Season one of Jody's uh Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh we were rewatching the whole thing because Andy had never seen Doctor Who before and we finally watched her second and third seasons. They were fine. To be honest, I, I feel like her her storytelling just in general was was not great. But watch those got caught up there and then watch the new special that just came out, which was phenomenal and very excited to see where they where they take the series. I, I hope for, it stays high quality for those who don't know Doctor Who. Basically, it's like it's really two people that make a season of Doctor Who work. It's like the head writer who's like the showrunner and then it's the person playing the doctor. Right. And so for the first four seasons of the reboot starting in 2004-ish, 2003-ish, whenever it came back, it was Russell T. Davies and first Christopher Eccleston and then David Tennant. That was like the doctor and showrunner combo, right? And then Baton handed to Stephen Moffat and then Matt Smith and then Peter Capaldi and Stephen Moffat for the next five years or so. Yeah, uh, six years. And then it was... I don't even know the showrunner who it was. Uh, Chris Chris Chibnall. Okay, yeah. and then Jodie Whittaker, right? Yep. I just don't think. Granted, I only watched like the first season of the Jodie Whittaker stuff. I didn't think it had like as much of a personality as the Russell T Davies and the uh, Stephen Moffat stuff. So I just didn't think it had like flavor. I didn't yeah. think it had like a point of view. It just didn't have. So yeah, that's why I fell off. But now it's back. Russell T Davies doesn't he like own Doctor Who now? He he doesn't own it, but he has his own production company called Bad Wolf Production or something like that, which if you know anything about Doctor Who, that's a reference to something that happens in the first season. So he named his production company off of something he wrote in the first season of Doctor Who. Anyway, um, good reference. That's actually the greatest moment in anime when you realize what Bad Wolf is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. But yeah, um, everybody loves those first four seasons, myself included, and he's back now in charge of Doctor Who, which is extraordinarily exciting. So anyway, the special was good. Though. How many are there supposed to be before the new series kicks off? There will be two more. So there will be one this coming Saturday and then one the following Saturday. And then there will actually be one additional special on Christmas Day. They are bringing back the Christmas special that they used to have. And- and then from there, yes, all of these are on Disney Plus now. From there, at some point, they haven't announced when, but after the Christmas special, there will be a new season at some point. So, I'm back. Okay. Do I need to watch the Jodie Whittaker stuff? I don't really think so. Read up on what happens, because frankly, they retconned some of the Doctor's lore, which I'm not a fan of whatsoever, but I bet 
they're not just gonna forget that that happened so so the actor from the reboot the first season he was only there for one year Christopher he didn't come back he was awesome bro like he's great he was he's great he's a great doctor I loved him but the rumors were always that he just didn't get along with Russell T Davies I don't who knows how true that is, but the the rumors were that like he just didn't jive with. Oh, I read that he didn't want to be typecast as like a nerd genre dude. That makes sense because everything else I've seen is Christopher Eccles. Everything else I've ever seen, and he's been like a fucking villain. That's true. But, so it's like, all right, dude, you're already typecast as a villain. Like, don't you kind of want to be the hero or like a- anti-hero as that Doctor was? No, I do think there's possibility for him to come back though, because and sorry, we're going way into Doctor Who stuff, and I know George and I are like the only people that have ever seen that show. So I, I listen to you nerds talk about anime for buddy. 16 years. It's it's fine. <laughs> um, Chris Eccleston did come back recently on the Big Finish audio productions, which if you know anything about like British television, that's kind of a thing over there where where they'll take a really popular franchise or series or even just a, a an original IP and make what's essentially like a radio show that is an audio only like storytelling I don't know medium and so Chris Eccleston recently came back to play the doctor for the first time in like 20 years on several of those big finish audio productions which like in the past I mean he absolutely refused to do so I I would hope that there's maybe some like chance of him returning to the show at some point because he's great. He's a good actor. Well, the sidekick from the first year, uh, the female actress. Yeah, Rose. Um, she, she did. Yeah, Rose. She did such a good job. Like I fell in love with her just watching. Yeah. Like she she brought me into it. So. Yeah, David Tennant's the man though. So I'm glad to see him back. He's he's my favorite, like without a doubt. So. Um. Some some good stuff going on there but uh he's my favorite too but like also matt smith somehow underrated doctor i don't know how yeah people like capaldi way more than i understand i i I don't really care for the capaldi stuff i love capaldi i would actually put capaldi above matt smith but oh interesting but i think matt smith's writing is better than capaldi's the problem is capaldi like as an actor and the way that his his character is portrayed is excellent but the the plot and the stories, I think, are much better with with Matt Smith's era. I think he's a so. fucking loser. He's like, well, I can play guitar. Can't you? Can't you give me a scene where I come out playing guitar on a tank, talking to a Dalek? It's like, oh, okay, guy, yeah, that's fucking sick. You know, guitar. Okay, so anyway, enough of that nonsense. Because uh, again, I know George and I are really the ones that care. Uh, the other thing I've been up to, really, the only thing I've been doing is I've totally finished up Alan Wake Two. Got the platinum Ooh. in it last night, actually. And I mean, I don't know what else could be said that I haven't already said. The game is absolutely freaking excellent in every way. Um, I'm really excited to see where this franchise goes because it it really is something special. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know how to explain it, but there's like just something about that universe, something about control and Alan Wake that is hitting me right now like nothing ever else has from a game perspective outside of maybe metal gear solid but um it's it's just so good is it your game of the year so far oh absolutely yeah absolutely and frankly i don't think anything's gonna until avatar comes out yeah that's right that's right that's right (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's well worth the play but 
I know Seth and I mentioned this on a previous episode. If you're going to play it, you kind of need to play Alan Wake and and you don't have to play Control, but I'd say at a minimum you need to play the first Alan Wake and Control if you can. So um, it's very good. I I think it's necessary. Like you, I don't know what the director was talking about when he said you, you didn't have to. Like you had no idea what's going on. Yeah, I could play those two games. I, I mean, I could somewhat see not playing Control and still understanding it, but Alan Wake. No, I mean, you need to know what happens in Alan Wake to understand like what the hell is going on in yeah. two. So, um, but I jumped you, in. Oh, go ahead. Never mind. I, I just now, as I was saying that, I remembered that you posted this on Facebook. So go ahead. Or no, Twitter or whatever it was. Yeah. So I just jumped. The only other thing I've been doing just briefly is I jumped back after I finished Alan Wake 2 to Alan Wake Remastered because I didn't have time to, to replay it before 2 came out. And I'm not super far in, maybe just an hour, hour and a half, but I'm looking forward to playing, playing further. There are more references than I remember. There are little things here and there, and I'm glad that I've played two and I'm now going back instead of reverse because there are just little things that I'm noticing and I'm like, wow, they actually did something with this in two. So it's it's going to be fun to, to play it, although by comparison to two, which is probably the best looking game I've ever played, it looks pretty rough. So, <laughs> Yeah, I played Alan Wake for the first time like two years ago. And I fucking hated my experience with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the story's great, dude. But I hate how it controls. The combat is my least favorite part of that game, and it, it's so awkward to me that the pivot point for the aiming is at his wrist, which is completely antithetical to like how modern third-person shooters work. But when you're controlling the flashlight, you're controlling it from like his wrist. And it's so hard. It was so hard for me to adapt to that. that I'm like, I absolutely hate this. Yeah, it does not play anywhere near as good as, as the second game. And I will say this, I, I as much as I adore two, I still think the gameplay and control is much more precise than an Alan so Wake 2. Yeah, that game is freaking flawless. It's the best Star Wars game. It's not a Star Wars game. I was listening to uh, Take Control earlier, the sound that's in, or the song that's in that game, and I just seven and a half minutes of goodness, and I was like remembering everything from that game, mm-hmm. and I'm dying to go back to it. I think that's got to be a top five game of all time for me. So, but, I agree. Uh, anyway, that's all I've been up to. So I wanted to to quickly hit on here because we haven't really gotten to this. Um, we are now at three years since the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 first released way back in 2020. Um, kind of crazy that it's been that long already. I mean, presumably we're either at or a little under halfway through the system's life cycle. So um, I know we all have either one or both of these systems. And so I just wanted to kind of round out the show here with a discussion on where we're at and what we think about the system so far now three years in. So I know last year, I think we were all kind of of the opinion of like nothing really is hitting these systems that make them feel new. And I'm, I'm curious to see if that's changed for any of you guys this, this past year. So 
uh, Seth, what are what are your thoughts on? I know you don't have a Series X, but what are your thoughts on the state of the PlayStation Five? Mm, yeah, a state is what I would call it. Um, maybe a state of stasis is it is a good term, dude? Because I feel like this is a year is the first time we've gotten games that felt like pretty impressive. Um, and specifically just the, the end of the year here with Spider-Man 2 and Alan Wake 2. Now, I haven't played Returnal. I heard people say Returnal seems to be like a, like a, like a big heavy hitter for the PlayStation 5 to showcase what it's, what it's uh, made of, but I don't know, man. I I just still feel like, what, what is, where are we at? And, and, you know, to be fair, I don't know if it's the PlayStation 5 and the, the Series X or if it's the state of the gaming industry in general, you know, I still am of the mind that we probably didn't need this console generation yet. Um, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Is is this like, I don't know that we ever need a new console generation, to be honest with you. Like at what point is enough enough? Because we're already getting to like a, a like a, um, what's that called when like humanity meets technology? Uh, singularity. Become, the, yeah, we're, we're reaching like a singularity with video games, right? Where like the tech is has is going up and up, but like the companies can't afford to make the games to meet the tech. And in my personal opinion, video games are impressive enough as it is, and I don't need my video games to have this ultra lifelike quality that, that is more than we have already. Like you look at something like the last of us part two or something like that. Right. It's like, man, like this looks phenomenal. And I think it's enough. I really do think that like, we're at a point now where like we've reached the quality and price of video games and they, they've met. Right. And it's like, okay, well, like, we don't need to increase the quality and performance of video games anymore. We can already do whatever we want with a video game. We, we, we can make whatever world we want. We can make whatever, you know, environment, whatever actor we want come to life. I mean, we're seeing now that they're taking like real actors from TV and movies and, and, and capturing them into video games. Hate that trend, by the way, but it's something they're capable of. And they're doing it to like a pretty amazing degree. And um, I think that might be the reason this console generation feels so stale because you look at like the massive leaps of technology and performance in the last console generations. And it it's, it's like a, a very noticeable, massive jump forward. And I think from the PS4 or the PS4 pro to the five, there's just that, not that jump needed. And there's sure like there's the SSD and that's very impressive, but Personally, I wasn't, I wasn't complaining about loading times on the last console generation. You know, I thought it was fine. Whatever. I get 30 seconds or 15 seconds to look at my phone or, you know, take a breather. It, and they, they, they made it work. And we're still getting those a lot of times with like animations and stuff. It's just, I don't know, man. I think, I think we've reached, like I said, a, a singularity where it's like, Enough is enough. These games look lifelike. I know we've always said that, but I really, honest to God, for the last five years, 
I don't know that I've noticed a, a measurable increase in visual fidelity in video games. That's all I gotta say. Coach. It's Austin. So I mean, just thinking about how go back to the PS1, right? And those first early games they were they were releasing, but it wasn't really sticking and it took a little while, but then it was just banger after banger, and then the PS2, PS3. Like so all these systems. It took a little bit for the ball to get rolling, but it wasn't that long. And then you started having amazing game after amazing game, right? Like the um, Christmas time, of course, was big. And then in the summer with E3, with all the announcements, there was always like a lot of really good games coming out, right? Especially during PS3 and the Xbox 360. But now there is it. it I think it is just the stikes, you know, what Seth asked, is it Sony or is it just the state of gaming? I think it's almost the state of gaming right now where, I mean, it's cool to have these, but is it, is it what it was like before a two, three generations ago where we were getting those, these companies that were young and we were getting these amazing games after amazing games. Um, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't feel the same as it used to be. I'll say that. I'll put it. I'll say that. I don't disagree with you, George. Now you can talk. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go. No, sorry. Seth made a good point that I wanted to expand on, but I actually forgot what he said <laughs> that I wanted to talk about in, in, in more detail. I think the video game industry, because I think you guys are right. Like, I think it's inextricable to talk about the consoles without talking about the, the games industry at large. I think the games industry is falling even faster than the movie industry is into like a, a trend that I find concerning where you're right, Seth, and you're right too, Coach, where it's like the the fidelity and the attention to detail that games are able to do now is unprecedented. It's It's unnecessarily unprecedented, right? And with movies, it's like a studio would so much rather spend $250 million on one movie and make $750 million, then spend $200 million, $250 million, whatever number I said, on five movies, and make the same amount of money. I don't know what it is, but they would so much rather just do the one movie. I don't know if it keeps, like, their, their tax purposes. Like, I don't know what it is, but they just don't care. And, like, personally, I would so much rather have more bites at the Apple. And it feels like we're at a point where a studio really only feels comfortable putting out one A-plus game every five years as opposed to a B-plus game every three. And I gotta be honest with you guys, I would so much rather have a B-plus game every two or three years. Like, Skyrim came out November 11th, 2011. I don't know when Elder Scrolls Six is gonna come out 15 years later. And it's because Skyrim set such a fucking high bar. And, like, I appreciate what it's like to follow up on something that everyone considers masterful and all this, but, like, Man, it's like you inadvertently fell into like a Half-Life Episode 3 situation or a Half-Life 3 situation for yourself. And I think that that's like a really dangerous thing for the video game industry where like all of a sudden, like games studios were going bankrupt before when they weren't spending five years making a game when they were just making like a year on a game when they were you know, spending two years on a game. And so like I, I think we're going to get to a point where there's just going to be 
like the the main people. Like we're we're not going to get like I think that the uh, the indie scene is going to thrive for for PC, but it's just going to be like little shitty arcade experiences. No offense, that I just like kind of don't care about. Where it's basically going to become like miniclip.com or like Newgrounds circa like two thousand three. You know, just because that's the only thing people can like afford to make when they're not working on a AAA budget. And the thing that I always go back to is that like the Wii was incredibly underpowered compared to the 360 and the PS3. Fucking Mario Galaxy was still one of the best looking games that came out that year because it's not about graphical fidelity, it's about creativity. And I feel like we're conf- not we can gamers today and game developers today are confusing graphical fidelity and creativity. Where it's like, oh, we can make a more realistic looking thing. It's like, yeah, but that's not a fucking interesting thing. You know what's not cool about like a, a perfectly detailed peacoat in your game is the fact that I fucking have one in my closet. Like I, I know what it looks like. You don't need to do it. Like you can sum up the idea of a thing. That's that's my thoughts on the video game industry and, and my concern. My biggest concern about like I predominantly play on the PlayStation Five. I think the PlayStation Five physically looks like someone's idea of the future from 1999 and that's why i was so excited with it's like fucking wacky bullshit idea that's so true like it looked like a video game console in a dreamcast game right like it looked like like oh it's a sega 2028 cast or whatever the fuck they'd call it i'm just not seeing it with the games and like seth you're right this is the first year we finally got like what felt like playstation 5 games but i felt like we got three of them <laughs> you know like yeah. and um yeah, man, like you don't like I, I like I said, I've been playing a lot of Battlefield Bad Company 2 lately. You didn't need to do much more than Battlefield Bad Company 2. That's a pretty fucking good game. Make it, I don't know, 10% prettier, and like most people will be happy. Like, I don't know. Everyone feels subservient to the uh, people complaining about whatever random bullshit thing on the internet. I, we just got to shut up people. We just got to shut everyone up. Seth, like, you're, you're like, no one, no one was complaining about loading times. I think you're like 99% right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think. I- the only time I ever remember people like really complaining about loading times was in Mass Effect and Bloodborne, right? And Bloodborne's were like real bad. They were unacceptable, especially in a game where you die a lot. That was rough. Um, but yeah, dude, like, like I said, last five years, I can't really, I, I haven't really noticed a massive measurable difference in quality. Um, and yet these, these developers are packing way more detail into these games. It's like, this is how I feel also about like, by the way, like four to eight K TVs. I'm like, dude, at, at some point, the pixels are so small that I literally cannot tell the difference. I, I, I'm, I cannot dude, tell. I can somewhat get the, the you know, want for 4K because there, there is a difference if you sit close enough or have a large enough display from 1080 or 1440. But 8K, like, yeah, I, I, I unless I, you've I'm got like, like a 30 foot tall TV, like you're not going to see a difference. Yeah, and that's what I feel about about like like ga- games being made today. I'm like, dude, you guys are wasting your time packing this much visual fidelity in here because we were cool with games a decade ago, man. And they like, like, sure, like you could tell it was a video game, but now it's like you guys, are, you're, you're detailing things on such a minute, microscopic level. And I think in a certain way, Unreal Engine Five, when that like really catches on and becomes popular, that's going to help with that with its scanning technology if they decide to use it. Um, but yeah, 
I don't know. I think that we're also in this cycle, like George said, where we the developers are making one game and it's taking five to seven years. And it's like, God. See, that's that's my big problem, to be honest with you. It's like, yeah, it's not even necessarily the fidelity because I actually kind of disagree with you, Seth, in a, a little bit. Like, I, I do like the fidelity of the games we're getting these days. But I mean, like Alan Wake, too absolutely gorgeous i felt like the 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 way that game looks does add to the experience but at the same time um and i know you've also voiced this in the past seth and i'm sure that we all kind of feel this way the budgets and the development times of these games to reach these fidelity points it's far too extensive now because now we've got games like alan wake 2 last of us 2 where we're not going to get follow-ups to those games, these very, very story-driven games for four, five years. I mean, Remedy came out like a couple of weeks ago and said they just started pre-production on Control 2. And I'm like, ah, That hurts God. so much, dude. That, that like breaks my heart. Yeah. So <laughs> and, then, and then we had that, that, I don't know if it was a leak or what it was, but the whole thing with Mass Effect, where they've been showing the new Mass Effect gameplay or, or trailers, rather, and they're saying that's not even going to be out till 2029. It's like, and I'm like, stop. It's just, guys, do we? There's got to, there's got to be a breaking point. Okay, I can get behind like the super massive, you know, Avengers Endgame budget style games as far as like a Grand Theft Auto Six. Okay, I could maybe get behind like one of those every ten years, sure. But like, does every game? need to be this obnoxiously high budget, obnoxiously large team, perfect fidelity? The answer is no, absolutely not. So it's frustrating. Dude, I also just want to like comment back to what George said about art style. Such so much more important than like actual detail, man. Um, There is a breaking point, right? Where like, we've talked about before Xenoblade Chronicles two and three, some of the most amazing art and environments that have ever been made look like absolute crap and garbage. So that's a problem, but I mean, you get them onto like a modern console and like get some anti-aliasing in there and it makes the resolution, not one forty P or something like that. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I just think you change the heart style a little bit. Yeah, dogs barking. And well, and I think the switch is an interesting to, to talk about when it comes to creativity because they have this extreme hardware limitation. And frankly, I mean, I know not everybody's into the N- Nintendo exclusive games and the games that they offer, but they are putting out way more games than any other system. And yeah. I wonder if this is just pure speculation, but I, I would wonder if that's because of the limitations they have and because they're not trying to make you know, an Alan Wake 2 or a Grand Theft Auto 6 or a Last of Us Part 3. They're just trying to make fun games that can fit on the Switch. Sure. <laughs> and so. like, I wish the Switch was like a little bit more powerful. Yeah, I don't disagree. You know, I wish the Switch was at like, you know, the PS4 level. But I'm dude, I'm so cool with like PS4, PS4 Pro level games. Yeah. I mean, like that, that is, in my opinion, perfect. That 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 is the sweet spot right there. So... I just don't need, I don't need like this realistic environment yeah. that people are shooting for these days. Well, that, I gotta be honest, I've been replaying my PlayStation 3 a lot lately. 
like maybe maybe that was the peak. Like maybe that's like <laughs> sure. Battlefield Two still looks Battlefield Two still looks really good. I played some fucking Burnout Paradise game. Still looks pretty pretty good, man. You know, it's been and fifteen I was, years. Still looks awesome. I was I was seeing gameplay from Spec Ops the Line today. I was like, man, that looks pretty good. So yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, think about the developers from the last like two three generations ago, like naughty dog when they first started right uh you had sucker punch you had rare you had bungie you um you had retro studios you had all of these companies that were they were still like because the um the technology was growing they were trying to do their best but they weren't the games were coming out every two to three years right maybe three to four years and and another thing, and I know you guys said this, but that's not happening anymore. No. You know, um, maybe Spider-Man only because they reused a lot of assets. So the dip, the time from Miles Morales really to Spider-Man Two wasn't that long. It was just enough to jump back in and be like, okay, let's go. But we're yeah, not no. going to have that. Like, when's the next uh, uh, what you call it, God of War, going to be? You know? that that's what i was just gonna bring up dude like that series drives me absolutely insane because they're using long-form storytelling in a medium where you can only get one entry every five years so it's like why give me like a solid story without any like like strings that aren't pulled at you know maybe leave room for for a sequel but stop giving me cliffhangers in video games when you're not going to give me the next entry until I might be dead. I might be dead in five years. I don't know. I could have a heart attack at any moment. Cliffhangers work in soap operas when the next episode is the next day and comic yeah. books when the next issue is the next month. But yeah, like what the fuck? Like what's going on in Tamriel? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I know the only one who like, really gives a shit about Elder Scrolls, but like what's going on with the fucking Thalmor, right? Yes. Oh, they outlawed praying to this god? Cool. What's gonna be the fucking fallout from that, man? Because you are the embodiment of that god. So, like, what 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 does that mean? And Ugh. and Ugh. To, to your credit, George, because I I respect the Elder Scrolls lore. All right, <laughs> I think I think I brought this up earlier in the year. Bethesda has been giving us breadcrumbs for a plot line in every Elder Scrolls game, going back to the first one about this lost king in a different continent. Hey, make it pay off at some point, man. Yeah, I mean, the first game only came out thirty fucking years ago, so I'm sure yeah. we're gonna get to that. Right from any any second now. Just gonna gotta make it pay off at some point, dude. I'm gonna find him and smack him. I'm gonna smack him. So Todd Howard, right? Oh my yeah. lord! I just want to say because we haven't really talked about too much the the PS5 and Series X themselves. Um, I'm relatively happy with the PS5. I mean, it's essentially this is the same conversation we've had a couple years in the past now, but it's essentially just replaced my PS4. I mean, it's a stronger, faster. PS4, which I'm fine with because I love the PS4, but the Series X, I don't know. I mean, I've never been a huge Xbox guy. It was never like my go-to system. I've always been more lenient on the PlayStation and Nintendo system, so maybe it's just, you know, bias from my years of gaming, but the Series X just is not hitting, man. There is nothing releasing on that system that is of note. I canceled Game Pass and I just bought a code that just gave me Xbox Live so I could keep playing Gears of War with, with Fabio. And I'm like, okay, I just want to play games online. Like, I don't need, I'm not giving you $16 a month for this shit anymore. Dude, 
Xbox has straight up priced themselves out of the console space. It's crazy. I don't know what they were thinking. If they and maybe they don't want to be sell consoles anymore. I don't know, right? But I have no reason to buy an Xbox because they have made all their games come to PC, right? If you can't afford a PC, you can play all their games on the Game Pass app and stream them to whatever device you have. And dude, it's not that bad. It's like pretty good quality if you have good internet. So I have there there is no reason to buy an Xbox. There's there's nothing there for you. If you're just you're just throwing $500 in the trash. So it's like and especially dude, if people are like struggling with money, they're probably going to go with the Game Pass route, right? Because with Game Pass, you get a ton of games for a pretty minor price per month. They're not the ones buying like like high-end technology. So I don't know who who's buying the Xbox Series X because if you're if you really do care about like visual fidelity and technology, you're gonna have the PC, you know, and probably a PS5 for the exclusives. The, but the but the Xbox S and X lie in this like weird middle ground where there's no real reason to to buy one either way. That it's also weird because it's like. Traditionally, console manufacturers don't make money on consoles the first few years, right? Like, that's not... They price it super low, they eat some of the cost to get into more houses, and the theory is that people buy enough games that through licensing the Xbox architecture to game developers who develop games for Xbox, that they'll make it back through software. Like, I just... I fundamentally... Remember when Uber came out and we were all like, oh, fuck, this is awesome. This is so much cheaper than a cab. This is great. And then Lyft came out. Oh, fuck, this is sick. This is so much cheaper than a cab. When every tech pushed through, when Netflix came out, fuck, this is so much cheaper than buying DVDs. This is awesome. And then remember when that system replaced the system it was competing with and then jacked up their prices so fucking much that you can like barely afford to use them anymore to the point that like it's a cycle. I don't use Airbnb anymore, man. I use hotels because guess Same. what? Hotels are cheaper than Airbnb. I don't use Uber or Lyft anymore because guess what, man? Fucking cabs are cheaper. I don't use I use Netflix, but only because it has Seinfeld, whatever. I'm weak. Um, but besides that, like every fucking thing that was supposed to be improved with technology just became the old thing except shittier and more expensive than the thing it replaced. And so, like, I'm really, like, at first I was like, oh, Game Pass, this is a fucking miracle. Okay, like, when is it gonna, like, when? When is it going to, like, take his fucking mask off and just be the well, old man haunting the amusement park? <laughs> the right? prices like, are already going up, right? So, like, it's it's a matter of time. Like, it's it's happening slowly. It's gonna be the Netflix. It, where... I'm, sure, I'm sure next year it's gonna be awesome, right? Like, we're gonna get Avowed. We're gonna get Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice 2. We're gonna get all these fucking games in theory that were promised within the last five years whatever it doesn't matter i still don't understand what is taking a vow so long considering how quickly they did what was obsidian's um outer worlds yeah thank you how like they they turned that shit around pretty fast so i'm like what's taking so long with a vow also like i fucking need a first person dungeon crawler fantasy game because where the fuck is elder scrolls 6 i digress like i'm just waiting for the shoe to drop like at least with playstation they have all these games, so I fundamentally don't understand how PlayStation Plus operates. But, like, a lot of the games are just, like, first-party. Like, oh, Siphon Filter is made playable on PlayStation 5. I'm like, okay, like, you own that game. I understand why that's here. It's a lot of games that they own or, like, associated directly with the PlayStation brand. 
And then with Game Pass, it's just like, oh, here's this fucking game you never heard of that just showed up and is here. It's like, all right, like, so pretty soon you're telling me Game Pass is going to be $30 a month. And then I'm just, like, I bought a physical copy of Starfield just so I could delete, like, cancel my Game Pass subscription. Like, that's like, I'm, yes. I'm done. That's yeah. four months of Game Pass. I'm like, okay. I like, haven't, well, well, these, I haven't had a Game Pass subscription in like almost a year now at this point, And I've actually, this is weird, but I've reverted back to the point where like I'd rather just buy the freaking game. Yeah. Because I mean, everyone's so tired of subscriptions. Well, absolutely. And like I'll subscribe to Game Pass, I'll play Light Sim. There's the, and like there's no I'm value. not gonna play the other hundred and fifty games. I'm never gonna play them. No. Well that and there's no value. Like if you get Forza <laughs> Horizon sixteen or whatever the fuck it is, and like, oh cool, it's free. Like, well, it's free, I can just play it whenever. Like I didn't pay for it. It's like, well, actually you've been paying for it for the last three fucking years, is what you don't realize. And you're gonna be paying for it for the next ten, but whatever. But it's like there's no urgency. There's no like sunk cost fallacy at that point, right? Like the reason everyone played Spider-Man Two within a week right. was because it cost them seventy fucking dollars. I'm like, okay, I want to see if my investment was worth it or not. Yep. I know I'm an outlier because I haven't finished it yet, but most of America who has spoiled the game for me on Twitter played it within the first fucking seven hours, I guess, of the game being released and uh, they shared a bunch of shit I wish I hadn't seen. But like, it's because there's like. Like, there's a, a supply issue. There's, like, a scarcity there that just doesn't yeah. exist fundamentally on Xbox. By the way, just for clarity's sake, and I th we may all be in the same boat. I don't know about you, George, but not only do I not have Game Pass, I don't have, like, the, the collection stuff on PlayStation Plus either. I've only got, like, the basic tier, and frankly, the only reason I have that is so I can get the cloud saves. I just, I have no interest anymore. And like either I, of those I, platforms. I have PlayStation Plus Premium because I play so many old games. Like that that's why yeah, I, that actually, I actually use it to play like Infamous Two and shit like that. Like I, I do the cloud play, but I was paying for both, and I'm like, no, I refuse to pay for both. I'm only going to pay for one. So I just settled on PlayStation. You know what drives me nuts though about the PlayStation Cloud Save thing is how erratic and and non consistent it is. It doesn't when work. I close when I close a game on Steam, dude. It uploads like that immediately. When I close a game on PlayStation, sometimes they automatically upload my saves and sometimes they don't. The amount of times I have to go up and turn my old ass PS4 on to upload a save <laughs> is like ridiculous, man. And I lost my Dragon Age Inquisition save because I wanted to go back and play the uh, DLC. Completely gone, dude. That, that save is gone because I changed PS4s and it never uploaded the save. I'm like, I had when I bought Ghost awesome. of Tsushima on PlayStation Five. I like downloaded a save. It wasn't the most recent save for Ghost of Tsushima, so I like downloaded. I was like, okay, let's auto pop that platinum baby, and then like eight trophies popped, and I was like, what the fuck? So I had to like go find my PlayStation Four in my basement, dig it out of the box, dust it off, make sure it still worked, find my PlayStation Cloud save, upload it to the cloud. It's just like, okay, it didn't go there. Okay, now I can do it, and then. So there's like a 12 hour delay between me popping my first trophies and Ghost of Tsushima 5 and popping like the last 30. I'm like, okay, it's not a big deal, but like, what if I sold my PlayStation 4 and didn't have access to this anymore? Like, like how, how is this the service you're bragging about if it doesn't fundamentally yeah. work the way everyone yes. who has it would expect it to work? Yes. And I will say yeah, this was... to Xbox's part, I could be wrong, but I believe all the cloud save stuff on Xbox is totally free and it works just like it does on Steam. Yeah. So, so good. Oh, I, 
I remember making fun of Xbox when they were talking about smart delivery for their games. I was like, that's so fucking stupid. Like, that's just like on, on Mad Men when they're like, it's toasted. It's like, well, everyone toasts their tobacco. He's like, no, but you're the only one saying it. So it's toasted. It's different. I was like, that's so fucking dumb. Like, of course, this is going to be how it's be uh, how it's supposed to be on PlayStation. I didn't know over the first two weeks I was playing Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War that I was playing the PlayStation 4 version on my PlayStation 5. <laughs> Even though I, I like, remember inserted that. A, a PlayStation 5 disc, it still downloaded the PlayStation 4 version. I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, why? Like, <laughs> mm. and I had to, like, take my hat off. I'm like, all right, Xbox, like, good job. Like, I didn't know it was it, like, it's not a given. You're totally right. You You, you nailed that. There should be some sort of check and balance here. <laughs> so Seriously. Alden in so the chat. Switch, which is the best console? I think we've all settled on. That's that, right. That's right. right. So yeah. Alden in the chat had a few things. He said, another thing to consider is that Microsoft, uh, this was earlier when we were talking about development times and stuff like that. Microsoft only this year gave the go ahead to not have games running on Series S at launch. It probably held, up, uh, held back a lot of third party games. Plus, it always takes a lot of time to learn how to develop for different uh, systems. And then he said he has uh, PS Plus Premium because he bought it last year for four years at like $80 a year around Thanksgiving. So that's really good. That's like makes, half off. Basically. Makes sense. But yeah, that is true on, on the Series S front. So because I know. Is it Baldur's Gate or something like kind of held them back? And that's why it was it's taken them so long to release it on Xbox is because they were trying to figure out how to get it to run on Series S. Yeah, I think so because that was a mandate, right? That it had yeah. to run on yeah. both. I still, I like understand the Series S. I I wouldn't have called it Xbox Series X and Series S. I would have no. done like, I would have brought back like Xbox Arcade. Remember, like not Xbox Live Arcade, but like the Xbox Arcade where it was right. like the the two gigabyte or four gigabyte hard drive Xbox mm -hmm. that was significantly cheaper yeah. than like the 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 Pro or whatever they did all those years ago, something like that. And it's like, hey, this is like really good casual shit. By the way, one thing we just my last note here for PS5 and Series X this past year, one thing we have not brought up is the fact that they launched PSVR 2 on PlayStation 5 <laughs> in February or March. And I, I do not hear a single person literally ever talk about uh, I, PSVR 2. I bought 2. one. I bought one. It got delivered here on launch day. I played six hours that night of uh, it because there was a Star Wars game. Galax Tales from Galaxy Edge Enhanced Edition. Good game. Yeah, haven't touched it since that day. Uh, I I have been meaning to go back. I have a week off between Christmas and New Year's from work. I intend to just play VR games because I need to. I need to justify that purchase. I got Horizon. Yeah. I've got Moss Two, and I've got that Star Wars game to finish. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I know the hardware itself is great, but. Um... Frankly, it seems kind of like another dud, to be honest with you, from a, yeah, from a sales perspective. I mean, I, I just literally never hear anybody talk about the thing ever. Which Sony is needed funny. to dump some support. Need, need, it's like the Vita. Dude. They didn't make any of their developers make any games for the Vita. They, didn't, they were worried about losing money. I mean, like you made the, the, the fucking product. You got to support it. Yeah. Stop letting things die. It's ridiculous. Um, what's amazing, though, is that the PlayStation Portable is like not in stock anywhere like it's constantly selling out i like get notifications from board 64 they're like there might be a few units at best buy if you want one you should jump on it like i can't believe that thing is selling so well i wonder how many people are buying it to be a, a remote play device and how many people think it is a portable playstation 5 Dude, that's what i was wondering i love by the way the fact that that thing 
for those unaware, can only stream PS5 games to it. It's weird that you can't stream the PS Plus cloud games to it. I don't understand that at all. They said that's coming in the future. I love the fact... Weird thing not to have their day one. Agreed. (laughs) I love the fact that that thing has an airplane mode. Just absolutely useless feature. Literally no use for that feature at all. And it has an airplane mode. Uh, that must that must be some old OS that they're running on it then. Probably. Right. It does run Android. It's an Android based yeah. system. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't heard much about that thing either, aside from the fact that most people most reviews I've watched have been very like you probably don't want to buy this. Uh, sorry, I wouldn't be really- surprised if the people that are buying it are the ones that are trying to uh, review it on YouTube, you know, just to say that they have it and they're reviewing yeah. it. Because I mean, like- I watched, um, and you know, this guy, Coach uh, Wolf Den, he does a podcast with um, Beat 'em Ups, which is actually ending, but um, he did a review of it and he was given it for free by Sony and he was showing some gameplay of Spider Man and it just like kept lagging on him constantly and he was like five feet away from his PS5. And the audio was like clipping in and out. And I'm like, this just the IGN review was really optimistic. And I really love that review because it's written by their editor, Seth Macy, who lives in Maine. Not that far from me. I actually bought a TV off him a few months ago. I have nice. a really nice like 35 inch CRT downstairs. that was going to turn into like my classic gaming TV. I'm very excited. But uh, he, like, had nothing but nice things to say. And he was just, like, walking in. Like, I know his town that he lives in. He was just, like, walking around. He's like, yeah, I went to, like, the the, the cafe and, like, connected to their Wi-Fi and was able to, to play. He's like, yeah, there's no way to, like, input a password, basically. So, like, you can only do it on, like, free Wi-Fi. And I'm just like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. Um, man, I tried logging into my PlayStation Vita the other day because I finally, like, bought a new charger. And I had to, like, I tried logging into the store... And it, like, prompted me to, like, go on, like, my mobile device. It gave me, like, a QR code to scan to go to PlayStation and set up, like, a temporary password. And I think they're doing that for a whole bunch of, like, legacy consoles now. And so I wonder if that is part of, like, the PlayStation Portable as, like, a workaround for, like, logging into, like, these external networks for for PS Portable. But I I have no idea. Maybe. Coach, you're our biggest Xbox evangelist. You've been kind of quiet. What's your interpretation of the state of affairs for Xbox? Well, they bought, remember in the last two years, they've been buying up all of these uh, smaller developers. And what I haven't really seen much as far as releasing. It's just quiet on their end. They're they're banking on the subscription service and being able to play their um, older games from the 360 and Xbox One era. And it just, I don't know. I've been most of my play, like 99% of my play is either PS5 or the Switch. I just don't yeah. I don't have a love for Halo anymore because it's not the same developers. They're gone, right? Um it'll be interesting to see what happens when uh Gears of War comes out. What are they gonna do with that franchise? You know? Yeah, what I- are they gonna do next? I will say you're right, Coach. I mean, clearly they're banking on the subscriptions. Seth, you mentioned that earlier. I mean, it doesn't really seem like they're focused on selling the consoles, and they haven't been for years at this point. But I will say this, like from an exclusive standpoint, from a game standpoint, um, 
I haven't played the game, so I can't really talk about the quality, but I'll just say this. If you had told me in January that Starfield was not on the Game Awards Game of the Year nominees list, I would have been shocked because like that was their thing. That was like the game that they had this year. And it it I think they just, got I think that that game got robbed, to be honest. Like I I don't know how Super Mario Wonder got on, to be honest. Like it's a delightful platformer. But game of the year, I don't think so. And honestly, everyone got pretty fucking quiet about Tears of the Kingdom pretty fast too. Yeah, like there's so many videos of people putting together just like automatic death mecha <laughs> Rube Goldberg machines, and that's great. But like, I don't know anything about the story. Whereas I heard so much shit about Breath of the Wild story, and I don't know anything that happened. I don't even know if Ganon's a villain. I assume he is. In Tears of the Kingdom, but like I don't know the way everyone was talking about. Like, no, you can actually just like go see Ganon right away if you're fucking if your balls are big enough in in Breath of the If your name's Seth, or if your name's <laughs> Seth, if your name's Coach <laughs> Seth, and you're the child of Coach and Seth, and you're the bravest boy who ever lived, yeah, you can go fight Ganon immediately. But I don't know what the fuck happens in Tears of the Kingdom, and like, yeah. have you, has anyone else played Super Mario Wonder? Am I alone? It's I think yeah, I played it. Yeah, I guess three of us have. I think it's I think it's like a B plus game. Right? It's it's good. Yeah, it's good. I don't, I don't it's ga- game of the year. I don't, yeah, game of the year. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. And but the thing is with that whole game of the year thing, it's like I don't know. I don't get into it anymore. Like I maybe I used but to. It's just like just no Keely one talks about entertaining show to save his life. I mean, come on. I think. <laughs> The thing those is, the though, Xbox like days, those were fun. Oh lord, yeah, live performances and Doritos and what was the drink? Mountain Dew, you know. <laughs> I just, to me, though, I mean, the reason I bring it up, not just for the Game Awards, but I, I don't really hear anybody talking about Starfield at all, and that was like one of the most hyped games of all time, supposedly, according to okay, to Microsoft. Listen, and I, this drives me nuts, dude, because they Bethesda has a formula and they made a game that is completely antithetical to their formula. They use procedural generation to generate terrain, and then they go back and meticulously add in lore and little pieces of things all over to create stories in that terrain, right? You can't just cut out that second part. And like expand that over all these planets it doesn't work like that the reason people love elder scrolls and fallout is like the little stuff dude like me and george were talking about like all these these like bits of lore that like they're not part of the main like skyrim and and elder scrolls experience you have to look for this stuff that is that that is the magic of the elder scrolls and fallout formula and they didn't do it with starfield they didn't i mean it's like People, the, the number one thing people were complaining about with Starfield was how empty everything was. And it's like, that is not, dude, you can't take 15 steps in one of these other games and not find something cool. That's that's exaggerating. Uh, yeah, but yes. That's, that's fundamentally not true. Like, Skyrim feels like a fucking Fallout game. Like, it feels like the end of the world in Skyrim. And then in Starfield, I actually get it. I'm like, yeah, man, it's a fucking big universe. Of course, there's not going to be anything, like, there's not going to be everything everywhere. So I actually think it makes perfect sense for Starfield, but doesn't make sense for for Skyrim. 
I mean, it makes perfect sense for Starfield, but that doesn't love, make a fun I, I love game. You, I, I love you so much. I didn't mean to disagree with you on Mike. I'm, I'm, you disagree so with me again. When you come to Pennsylvania, I'm going to find you, all right? Oh, yeah. Well, don't look for me in Valley Forge because that place fucking sucks. And I'm not going <laughs> to. No gift shop. No gift shop. No gift shop. It's not canon. If I have to pee, you can find me in Valley Forge because the only thing worth there is my piss on its face. I'll be waiting at the gates of Kenobles. Isn't. Isn't there Obi- like a like, oh wait Obi Wan Kenobi? Obi Wan Kenobi. Isn't there? I thought the <laughs> okay. Two. Correct me if I'm wrong. There like is something cool at Valley Forge though. Isn't like Washington's house at Valley Forge that you can go see? Uh, I don't know. Isn't oh, that yeah. in? Oh, isn't yeah. that in uh, National Treasure too? They they go to Valley Forge and they go to George Washington's house for a party and there's like a, a secret underground house and that was Montesino. Never mind. Don't call her. Just tell, tell her. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really cool place to go though. <laughs> I was there. Holy crap. <laughs> Yikes. I right. can't believe so, I remember so much about National Treasure 2. <laughs> yeah, that's a so what straight does, up hard fact. What does PlayStation have for next year? Do we know? Nothing, dude. They, do, they have not nothing. announced that's, hardly anything. Okay, the theory the, goes to Tsushima 2. According to who? According to who? According to five-year development cycle that's George true is like that's true according to the person that told me never to tell that secret <laughs> i mean hypothetically well I don't, I don't i don't i don't do video let's, game work let's anymore. reverse <laughs> let's reverse because we are forgetting the the final fantasy 7 uh remake part two Actually, which uh, is fun. is a thing wait, for next year wait what what day are we I, I feel like we need to wrap up soon because we've been going yeah, we on a little a little too it's long it's been so fun it has been so fun but we recorded november 28th in theory, okay, n- next Wednesday, I probably can't record. Cause I got what the hell? Well, Wednesdays are just tough for me because I host pub trivia at a bar now. And next Wednesday, I have really? to host pub trivia at a bar. And I have Bro, to host that's awesome. pub Thank you. Yeah, I have a lot of fun with it. And I also have to host pub trivia for my company as like a happy hour event. So I'm doing double trivia that day. So I'm going to be like booked nice. from like three to nine. Basically, it sucks. I'm really looking forward to it. But um november or december 7th right that's the game awards yes mm-hmm. december 7th all right so that is a thursday mm-hmm. seth coach what what are you guys doing on thursday yeah, look. if you guys want to do like a live stream reaction to that i would love to i also i know we talked about doing like that's a place four hours bro a PlayStation that's Three. Four <laughs> freaking hours, dude. Oh wait, December seventh. Oh, four hours a Thursday. of fest. Oh, it's a Thursday. Oh, it's a football night. I don't know if I'm gonna watch the game awards. I gotta be honest. <laughs> I might care about I, Thursday I football. The point, last two years, I just I can't. The... Yeah, I don't know if I can do it anymore. I gotta be honest. Right. I've watched well, it the last few okay. years, and I'm like, we'll do I don't know. Episode. I well, would also, I would also like to do one of those like uh. I, we talked about doing like a PlayStation 3 retrospective for me for Christmas. I, I still really want to do that. I would love if we assigned each of us a console and we did like an audit on like major properties and like the last time something that series was released and like the last time something was like talked about for a series. So like if someone wants to take PlayStation, someone wants to take Xbox, someone wants to take Nintendo and then someone doesn't ha- have to do it. Someone anymore. could take sick. So someone could just take the week off. Yeah, let us know what's up with Apple Arcade. Would you guys be interested in doing that? Do you think that's like a fun exercise? Just because we yeah. can like figure out mm-hmm. like, okay, last Hellblade game was six years ago. Where the fuck is Hellblade 2? 
Um, yeah, yeah it's a good I'm, question. Okay. I think that's great. Yes. Before we wrap up, can I answer Coach's question that I prepared really quick? Coach, what's your question? Yeah. Ask it. Actually, not really okay, quick at all. So my question that I didn't think that I asked to the chat, our, our group chat, is for newbies into RPGs, right? And specifically for action RPGs, because Xenoblade Chronicles is an action RPG. What are games that you can play that will get you ready for that because there's just so much stuff going on at the screen it can be just very triple overwhelming for do you want okay people. You want to so now i understand JRPG where you're coming from a little bit jrpg because right. the first okay. time he asked this question it was jrpg yes well xenoblade is is a, is a jrpg now yeah. i understand your your issue with xenoblade a little more so coach here's what i'm going to tell you okay there is no game that can prepare you for Xenoblade. It is an absolutely unique experience that is almost equivalent to an MMO RPG because it is um, a game that utilizes old school rules for RPGs like tank, healer, DPS, and it sticks with them. If you don't have a correct party set up, you're going to be absolutely decimated. That being said, um, there is a couple games that I can give you that will prepare you in an RPG sense for Xenoblade, but Xenoblade is, is naturally like a very extremely complicated RPG. And, and I, what, I, what I was wondering was why, why Xenoblade? Why is Xenoblade your end goal that's on your radar? For no, like it's not really experience? my end goal. It's just that, um, you know, there, there's four games. I, I count the second one, right? This is, they sold it as another cartridge, but there's four games on the Switch. Three was on sale for Black Friday. So for like $20 off, right? So I it was just like thinking about like, I do want to try to attempt this series, but I don't want to attempt it and be just like, what, what, what the fuck is going on here? You know what I mean? Yeah, so I would I would go as far as to say like, the Xenoblade games are so complicated that they're not even fun for the first 10 hours. They're not because, because like the, 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 there's this really incredibly deep combat system, right? That does not, they, and they feed you breadcrumbs because it's so complicated and you can't utilize it to its full effect until you're like a significantly pretty far in. Okay. Um, and, and if you don't really, so, so here's, here's what I have for like starter RPGs. Right. And I put a lot of thought into this list. Okay. Okay. So if you're looking for old school Final Fantasy starter or old school RPG starters, I, I put three of them to get you started in like the, the way like a lot of people got started. Uh, the first one I have is Final Fantasy four. Okay. And you could substitute this with Final Fantasy six as well. People like either of them more than the other. Which is two and three in America. Right. Not since the 90s, but yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> On the SNES, they were two and three. Just remember yes. how old Coach is. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking at them in a today's standard, it, you're, you're going to find them as Final Fantasy 4 and Final Fantasy 6. Okay. You'll, you'll never see them listed as two and three again. After that, if, if you're looking for, if you, if you enjoy that, I say go Chrono Trigger. Um, Chrono Trigger is... I think a, a kind of an overrated game. 
um, which is probably surprising to hear me say, but it is a really solid, stable RPG. I just don't think it's as groundbreaking as people make it seem. Um, it's really good though. Like definitely a must play for like RPG fans. If you're looking for something more modern than that, the father of all modern RPGs, obviously, Final Fantasy VII. Almost awesome. everything comes from that. Super Mario RPG is a good pick, especially if you if you're into like the Mario. It's a little odd in my opinion, um, but like it's pretty it's a pretty solid RPG pick. The other one that I thought that I I picked specifically for you because I know how much you love the system is Golden Sun, the GBA game. Okay. Uh, Golden Sun has everything from for a, for a, a classic JRPG experience. It was on the the Game Boy and Game. Or it was on the Game Boy Advance. I and it's the first one. Uh, so you already got it. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Okay. So now we're moving on. Dragon Quest Eleven okay. is a game that came out, I think, four years ago. And it is, it, all the Dragon Quest games are bare bones, grassroots JRPGs. Okay. There's no like real fancy mechanics to them. There's no like, they're just they're 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 straight up. What's up, George? Dragon Quest Eleven S Heroes of an Elusive Age or whatever. That game is currently on sale right now on yes. PlayStation Network and I think maybe the eShop. It's very good. The benefit that you have the reason I say Dragon Quest Eleven and not the other ones, the other ones are extremely hard. They're extremely hard and you have to grind a lot. Um, Dragon Quest Eleven itself is a, a more modern take on the Dragon Quest formula, where it's easier, it's got a good story, and it reminds me uh, more of like a, a Legend of Zelda type uh, art style. No, 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 no. Actually, you know what? Scratch that whole last statement. That's not true at all. I, I think it's also true. 150 hours long. Yes, you don't have to complete the whole thing. That's but- perfect, Coach. That's just like your dick. Your dick is also 150 <laughs> hours long. Okay. Now, now here, here is the final recommendation i have for you for this if you really want to do this final fantasy 12 is the closest kind of feeling the, the final fantasy 12 is the closest thing i could find in my brain to a xenoblade chronicles system and it's not even close but it's the closest thing where like the characters move around the map a little bit right and you, you can select your abilities. It's not turn-based. It's, it's active time battle-based. Um, speed-based. So that's what I got for you. Um, Final Fantasy XII, also great game. Great game. Not too complicated. Maybe a little more complicated than the other ones. I mean... I personally don't love a lot of JRPGs just because... My first experience at JRPGs was uh, was Pokemon, and I feel like that is a, a series that just like makes fundamental sense to me. Yeah. Oh, you have an electric guy, you're going up against a water guy, you've got an advantage. Oh, they've got a fire guy, you've got a leaf guy. They've got like I never know when to buff and when to debuff and shit in like a normal JRPG because like I am just so broken from Pokemon being like, well, why wouldn't I just attack every turn just to like whittle them down, and then I can right. just go to a, a Poke Center and then bring my boys back um that said few games have enamored me completely as final fantasy 16 so good dude so not a not a jrpg no but um 
I feel like that game has done more to get me interested in JRPGs than any other game. And I say that as someone who has, like, beaten all of Final Fantasy V. It's the only Final Fantasy game I've ever completed. Like, heresy. Um, you should... You, so you've never played, like, 7, 8, 9? I played a little bit of 8. I think I talked about that on the podcast. I really like the story think, of 8. I think everyone should play Final Fantasy 7. At least try it. As, as So you can see, like why that game was so big from a historical perspective it's like you know it's watching an old movie or something like it, it, it does it play well does it look good no but like that is the the first major modern 3d rpg and and yeah. that's my what problem, set the mold for everything else my problem with that comparison is like oh yeah you should watch casablanca it's like a classic movie like yeah it's really boring i'm like yeah but like the people still fucking look like people i don't know what cloud looks like in final fantasy 7 but it's not a person oh th- thankfully there's a remake so you can see what he's supposed to look like yeah, but isn't that like not a JRPG? Isn't it more like an action game? Mm. No, there's it's 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 uh, ATB based, or like Final okay. Fantasy twelve would be. Okay, but, but I can't recommend that because it's fundamentally different not than... a remake. It is yeah, it is a sequel to the the original game. Yeah, it did. You'd be <laughs> if if someone didn't play Final Fantasy seven and they play the remake, they'd be like, "What is going on here? None of this makes any sense." Sure. So it's vital to play original Final Fantasy VII before playing yeah. the remake. Yes. Yeah, because dude, like it's not a remake. That that is that is a straight up lie. It's not a remake at all. It's a sequel to the original, supposedly. Uh, or we're not really sure if it's a this well, is a massive spoiler. I can't really talk about it. When you think it. about the subtitle of the game, it kind of makes sense when you like consider where the plot goes. If that yeah, makes sense. I guess. There, yeah. There, but it yeah, is kind of like false advertising. So, yeah. <laughs> like, are you as excited for the next? Um, the what is it released in February? Rebirth. Yeah, I'm excited. Rebirth. You are. Yeah, I, am, I remember I, when they announced uh, the remake at uh, what was it 2014 when they announced it? I think so. I think well, so. No, it was 20. It was 2015 or 2016. Cause I was yeah. Time. You were like I was in so hyped. Oh yeah, dude. I've never seen you more hyped. Oh yeah, I I I I absolutely lost my mind when when Final Fantasy VII remake got really. Well, that know. was that was the same E3 as uh, Shenmue Three, right? Yes. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. Crowdfunded. Yeah. <laughs> Crowdfunded. Everyone. Hey, at least like, it actually what? came out, unlike Knights yeah. of the Republic. What, what I know, do? dude. Yikes, oh my dude. god! How Yikes. do you mess that up, man? I don't know. You give it to Aspire. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> A team that's unqualified, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap it up there because we we've been going a while. So, um, if you have made it this far, you probably already know all this. But we can be found on basically any podcast service. Um, of course, if you're listening to us on a podcast service, you can also find us on YouTube, where you can watch our video, see our faces, see Seth's beautiful mustache, and um, Coach's uh, Cowboys hat. George, your Carhartt beanie. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. coaches 150 hour long dick. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So you can find uh, the YouTube uh, edition of the show at bit.ly slash frameskip live. So bit.ly slash frameskip live. And uh, yeah, of course, you can follow us on social media. We are at frameskip pod on pretty much everything Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, the whole ordeal. We are individually 
on Twitter. I am at Austin J. Eller. Seth is at Seth the 90s kid. And then don't, don't follow, follow me. Don't follow. And then George is at Shortbox Summary. So I plan to release at least one episode before the end of the year. I can't remember the last time I did a Shortbox Summary episode. I've been drowning in work at work. So what can you do? Well, make it happen. Make it happen, George. Tell work. Look, guys, I got to record this comic book podcast. I'm sorry. I got to make it happen. The people yeah, are, are demanding it. True. So If I don't explain what happens in this 25-year-old comic book, <laughs> no one else will. <laughs> God forbid they actually read that comic book. No, it's too hard. There aren't enough pictures. There's too many words. I need to step in and help them out. Oh, Lord. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for, for tuning in, and we will be back next week with whatever the hell we'll be talking about. So in the meantime, Ooh. adios. Adios.